All right, welcome to another episode of Generally Assembled, your favorite Pennsylvania House Republican podcast. Uh, I am Jason Gottesman, joined by Neil Lesher. And Neil, why don't you introduce our guest? Yeah, well, we have a very special guest today. Uh, Representative Jesse Topper is on assignment. So today we have brought in uh, Representative Greg Rothman from Cumberland County, my state representative. So I might be a little biased, but he's my favorite. Not my state representative, though. I live in Cumberland County. I'm still your favorite. Yeah, so welcome, Greg. Uh, Semper Fi, former Marine, um, successful businessman, and now a state representative representing your community. Yes, and I'm, I'm uh, honored to be sitting in for Jesse Topper. And before we go any further, I want to give a shout out to Ruth Topper. Yes, Mom. Ruth from Bedford. Our, our still only uh, review. Yeah, uh, which, which which brings me to uh, just before we get to the end here, the if you drop a review uh, and some comments, we'll give you a shout out on the podcast. It's uh, a segment we call shout outs for shout outs. And we have no new shout outs this week, except our haters on Twitter, yeah. which actually give us more mentions than we'd probably deserve. So and they're the ones we're trying to persuade. Yeah, you know, it's uh, if if no if nobody hates you, that means nobody loves you. So that's that's how I like to look at things. But what do I know? Anyway, a lot of stuff happened this week. Uh, let's talk about healthcare heroes. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, this week the House and Senate Republicans came together uh, along with the Wolf administration, and we negotiated a package of funding using some of the federal uh, rescue dollars that we have to help our frontline healthcare heroes. And who are we talking about there? We're talking about nurses in particular. You know, we have another funding package uh, coming down the road to help our EMS companies uh, probably in the next couple weeks. But, you know, it's a recognition of what what these people have been going through in the last two years and and the tough work conditions that they've been working in. And it's, you know, kind of the General Assembly's way of saying thank you. Uh, We want you to continue uh, doing the important work that you're doing. So, yeah. Greg, you have any thoughts on that? Well, yeah. So maybe people don't understand that the hospitals, people were canceling procedures that where the hospital actually makes money on. So and and so they suffered financially. The hospitals took a hit, not to mention all the additional work the hospitals had to do to meet the demand for the people coming in with COVID and, and during the pandemic. So it's been uh, it was a rough year, rough couple of years for the hospitals. So this this gives them some relief. Yeah. And I think, you know, I was talking to somebody who works for a fairly large health system the other day, and they pointed out that back in March of 2020, when we were doing the whole two weeks to flatten the curve thing, you know, everybody was was hailing healthcare workers. And he said, like, people were dropping off pizzas at the hospital to thank everybody. And he said, in reality, all of our nurses and doctors were sitting around because there really wasn't any COVID and all of the other procedures were being canceled. In fact, healthcare workers were actually being furloughed or laid off temporarily because uh, nobody was going into hospitals. And, you know, fast forward two years. And, you know, this latest uh, Omicron uh, variant has has really loaded down hospital workers and they're not getting that same thanks. Nobody's dropping off pizzas today. Well, and this also, you know, the, this this funding will help go towards a an issue that's been around for a, a long time, which is helping hospitals find a way to not only retain their staff, but recruit new staff. Um, You know, these positions in a normal time have a high rate of burnout of people who become more skilled and then move on to other parts of their profession. It's no secret that in large health systems like like Hershey, like the University of Pennsylvania, like the nurses, for instance, they're there while going to school to become nurse practitioners. So then you have nurses who then move on to a different form of practice. And then, you know, people then just sort of disperse. People work in a hospital. They want to go work in an office because the, the hours are better. So this is all of a way to really give funding in an immediate way to help with an issue that you know has been existing before the pandemic continues to exist to a larger degree now and is something we want to make sure that the hospitals have the tools to deal with especially in rural hospitals which have have always been struggling to find and to retain and recruit staff and behavioral health centers 
that have an extremely high rate of, of burnout and staff turnover. Yeah. And, you know, this this will go to help provide people, you know, who, who are currently there with, you know, some, some extra incentives to, to stay there while also giving these hospitals the tools to reach out and find new staff and become competitive in, in, a, in a very competitive labor market. And this is money we got from the COVID release package. And they, they, I think it was called the HEROES Act. So I'm excited about it. And it's good for our hospitals. And it's good to we need to get the economy going yeah and specifically what we're talking about is there's about 210 million dollars that's going to go directly to hospitals and there's some waiting in there uh you know i think jason brought up a good point about critical access hospitals in some of our more rural areas i mean you know greg and jay you know we're we're blessed in cumberland county to have i have three major hospitals in my district right i was gonna say i mean i can get i can get to three world-class hospitals within a five-minute drive of where i live that's not the case for many of our rural residents throughout pennsylvania and so you know the existence of those small rural hospitals is very important. So this funding package does you know, skew a little bit more money towards those hospitals because they're really feeling the impact right now. Um, and it also it, it also helps some of our what they call safety net hospitals, which have a, a high percentage of their um, patients that receive their insurance through the government. And, you know, financially, those, those hospitals often can be very uh, difficult uh, to balance the books, just given, you know, their payer mix. In addition, there was $15 million that was added into the nurse uh, student loan forgiveness program. Governor Wolf had put five very successful program. It's a very successful program. Actually, that's why we're putting more money into it. Uh, Governor Wolf had five million of some flexible money that he had access to and and had put it into this program that's through uh, FIA. If if there's any nurses listening, you can apply uh, through FIA. And, you know, almost immediately the program was oversubscribed. And so we're responding to that and putting another 15 million. It'll be 20 million total to, you know, again, say thanks to those that chose nursing as a career path because it's, you know, with our demographic changes in Pennsylvania, we're really going to need to grow the number of nurses that we have. And there's a lot of stress on the hospitals to get nurses with bonuses and the, with the traveling nurses are being paid um, all around the country. I mean, there's a shortage in, in everywhere in the labor, and uh, this, this is one of them, too. So that's, that's a great program. Let's keep, keep, those, keep those great nurses in Pennsylvania. And, and Neil, I think just really quickly in your, your role in, in, with the Appropriations Committee, if you might be able to touch on something that Senator Brown said yesterday, which I thought was a very important uh, angle to the discussion, which is, you know, we don't actually have a lot of money sitting around, which, you know, this is something we could afford. But if you look at the out years, basically the the current, you know, a lot has been made in the news about how we have all of this money sitting around from the federal government in our rainy day fund. He was basically making the point that a lot of that money is already committed to just keeping us status quo for the next two budget cycles. Right. And actually, it looks like there's a lot of money sitting there, but we're still floating by with all this infusion of federal money that we have. And the reality is, you know, the COVID pandemic has actually added expenditures for the state, you know, that are being covered with federal money now. That federal money is going to go away and we're going to have to, you know, kind of wean off of that money. and, And that's why it's important to have the rainy day fund have reserves in place. I mean, the independent fiscal office in their five year outlook says, you know, the next two years are okay, but come three years down the road, we're back to having a $2 billion structural deficit unless we make serious reforms in the state or have better economic growth. And I know that, you know, our caucus is working on both of those things because our goal is to manage our way through this without having to raise taxes. Well, and look, what, you know, I, I'm a private sector business guy and I, you know, I still have my hands in our real estate company. We've learned that we could we were spending money on things we don't need to spend money on. The travel or companies that used to send their sales people out to go sit down with people in other in other areas of the country or other regions and get hotel rooms and and go on these travel trips. Well, they're able to do it by Zoom, and and productivity in many cases have gone up. 
and we're saying, well, why are we spending money on that? And certain types of advertising you would do. Or, or now, of course, because of supply chain issues, their supplies have gone up, have cost more, and the, you know, the cost of lumber has gone up, and the, uh, even the you know the cost of of uh, paper has gone up. But and you can't get things. But I think government ought to learn something from small businesses that say, hey, you know, learn from this and come up with ways to save some money. So we've been a little serious, and, and these are serious topics, but I think it's time to uh, move into our favorite segment that we have on this podcast. Uh, we play a little game here, Representative Rothman. It's called Pennsylvania Democrats or San Francisco. The rules of the game are simple. I'm going to uh, read off a policy proposal, a tweet, something along those lines, and then you have to guess. This comes from one of your uh, friends and colleagues in the House Democratic Caucus or another politician here in PA, or was this from San Francisco? All right. The lines are hard to tell at times. My mother grew up in San Francisco. There you go. All right. And this is actually uh, a probably good... Is it true that rice aroni is the San Francisco treat? <laughs> I, I I guess. <laughs> if you're not from it San used Francisco. to be the city of the city of rock and roll, right? I left my heart in San Francisco, and also Full House. But San Francisco used to be a great place. I mean, the Hoover Institute, Herbert Hoover, and and uh, Stanford it used to be a good conservative area. And fog, and fog, and Nancy Pelosi's ice cream. All yeah, right, and Alcatraz. Um, um, all right, so this is actually a good segue from what we were just talking about. So this is uh, from a Twitter account. The GOP spent today working against teachers, cops, firefighters, and other public sector union members. Why not nurses, too? And then less than 24 hours later, today the House delivered $225 million in federal American rescue funding to help nurses who have been on the front lines battling COVID for the last two years. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember what uh, Democratic House member said that, but one of ours, I'm sure. Yeah, it, was, it was actually the House Democratic Policy Committee, oh. uh, chaired by Ryan Bizarro. Um, but it just goes to show you that you can't actually take anything that these House Democrat uh, Twitter no. accounts say uh, truthfully because they can't contradict themselves uh, within less than. So my favorite hours. is criticizing us putting out referendums to the people is against democracy. I mean, yeah. some, something missed in the teaching of like we are not a democracy; we are a republic. Yes, letting but the people decide their own that future is, is a threat democracy. to democracy. <laughs> it's a threat to democracy. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's in the Constitution. <laughs> well, but that just goes to the fact that that our colleagues on the left and and you know, look, I know they think they're doing the right things, but they they feel like they know better than everybody. Absolutely. Um, so why why should we let you decide when we actually know what's right for you? Yeah. You yeah. don't you don't need to you don't don't worry about deciding this for yourselves. We'll yeah. just tell you what yeah. you want. Yeah. Well, of course, this is this, you know this is the same Twitter account that put out uh, you know last week uh, policy point of the day prison population. Pennsylvania has the sixth largest prison population amongst all 50 states. <laughs> Which is great. We have the fifth largest population yeah, yeah, amongst all 50 states. It's so stimulating. It, like, thank you. It, um, it actually, also, the it sky is blue. Wor- it actually works against their theory because we shouldn't yeah. have the fifth largest yeah, prison fifth. population. Yeah. So I guess yeah. we're doing well, a good job. And, and frankly, it also misses the fact that it was uh, Republicans through JRI1 and JRI2 that worked to reform our prison system and actually you know, make sure that we we are being smart with how we incarcerate individuals. Yeah. yeah. All right. Next one. Can you imagine what our population would be if uh, these DAs, like in uh, Philadelphia, was actually prosecuting people for gun crimes and committing murders and shootings? What the prison population would be? Right. You know, I, right. I often do think about how much fun it would be to go back to Philadelphia when I would feel safe actually being there. It's going <laughs> to be a while. All right. Get tested. If you test positive and do not have sick days or access to other income during the recovery period, the city will provide you with a thousand dollars so you can quarantine for ten days. Whoa! 
All right. I'll, I'll defer to you, Jason. I think it's probably uh, San Francisco. That's got to be San Francisco. San Francisco. And then, you know, you just kind of like peel back a layer well, here. Didn't we have a governor who offered people money for getting a shot? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, well, actually, here in Pennsylvania, the governor's offering only state workers, yeah. you know, five, five free, days off. Five, yeah, five days, days off. off. Yeah. And if they don't use the five days off, they can cash it in for, you know, and, half a paycheck. Uh, how many days does it take to get the vaccine? It took me, like, 15 <laughs> minutes. What, like, yeah, yeah, what are they doing exactly. the other four and a half days? You know, and, and, you know, Stacey Garrity, who's our treasurer, she said this is going to cost $100 million in taxpayer, dollar, in taxpayer money to, to basically, it's a free gift to state workers. Yeah. But, yeah. So, and, you know, if you think about it, it's like, how many people in San Francisco went and actively got COVID just to get the thousand dollars? You know, I saw that there was a guy in India who got the COVID vaccine a thousand times. Yeah, yeah. Did you see that? <laughs> Why? And they actually ended he up also, just putting he him also in jail. had thirty masks on too <laughs> yeah. at the same time. All right, um, this is this is actually you know so um, Pennsylvania is tied for the third highest corporate net income tax in America. You know, you know Neil, it, it it it's it's pretty easy to tell where these come from when you say Pennsylvania. Right? Yeah, I know, but I want to talk about it. <laughs> All right, Pennsylvania is tied. <laughs> Pennsylvania is tied for the third highest corporate net income tax in America, behind only Iowa and New Jersey. Democrats just tried to cut business taxes to be one of the lowest mid-Atlantic states. Every Republican voted for higher business taxes. Uh, such a, it, I, I, I did. I was on the uh, list to talk to. I was going to interrogate. Uh, Chairman Brad, or Representative Bradford, whatever his title is, ranking minority appropriations yeah. person, Chief uh, Bradford. Stretcher. I don't think he has any idea what what when he talks about combined reporting. I don't think he has any idea. I, I mean, I was going to ask him. I said, "Okay, McDonald's sells a hamburger, so whatever profit they have, they pay taxes in Pennsylvania." Is that that what, you, what you're saying? Oh, okay. So the federal constitution says you can only pay state taxes in one state. So guess what? If we're nine point nine percent. A company, if there's an option of paying in another state that's less, a corporation that's not, you know, that we're so the hamburger didn't come from Pennsylvania. The hamburger, the beef came from Wisconsin, or the cheese came from Wisconsin, and the bread came from Idaho, or the French fries came from like so. They they decide where they're going to report where their profits came in, but if we have a 3.07 percent tax, which is my proposal, which is what most of the companies are under. We'll actually generate more revenue because the companies will yeah, put all their profits, they'll put all their profits here. They actually want to come here. Yeah. Well, and, and what's ridiculous is his amendment was actually combined reporting on steroids. It gave the Secretary of Revenue superpowers, you know, just to the Secretary of Revenue to unilaterally determine what a business's taxable income is. So, you know, business files their their report. Here's here's all of our sales. The Secretary of Revenue can just go. Nah, I thought I think it's like a billion more than that, yeah. and we're going to tax you on that. Uh, it's news to me that a Wolf Administration department would actually sit around and wait for legislation to give them superpowers like yeah. the Department of Health, right. the Department of State. Yeah. And, and the reality is, is that you know, one of the bills that he was trying to attack this amendment on was actually a, a bill that was supported widely by the business community that would help small businesses um, with, with their expense deductions. I mean, there was a series of bills that we moved through the House uh, this week that, help, that were widely sm- supported by Main Street and, and yeah. small business uh, advocates. And guess who voted overwhelmingly against those bills? Yeah, Democrats. The Democrats. Yeah. So you can tweet one thing, but your actions tell another thing. Okay, last one. Pennsylvania had a, <laughs> <laughs> just take the Pennsylvania part out. Pennsylvania had a multi-billion dollar spending deficit and a drained rainy day fund when I took office in 2015. Oh, oh just don't gosh. even, you know what, don't even finish. I turned Come that on. around. This was Come ridiculous. On. He it, Kicking and screaming. The first three budgets I was involved with when I was here, he didn't even sign. He let become law. I mean, to take credit... For the rainy day fund to take credit for balanced budgets 
It, it's. I mean, how do you how do you look in a mirror? I, I tell you, it's Governor some, Wolf. I, I unbelievable. Well, he doesn't have that much hair to comb, so he probably well, doesn't look too much. Well, I told mirror. Jason Ortiz he should we should have had a banner on a plane saying "You're welcome, House Republicans." Yeah. We did it. We, we House did. Republicans well, and Senate and Republicans look, are the ones look, who did the, that. The actual truth here is the fact that if Governor Wolf would have gotten his way, we would have had the highest and deepest cuts in the uh, or tax hikes in the entire country. Um, Four and a half billion, I think right. they totaled it up. Right. That, that year after year growth would then need to be supported by more tax increases. Uh, would would need the, and then we would have no money to put in the rainy day fund because it's all going to be going out to uh, their special interest groups uh, and the people that elect Democrats. And that's exactly what this whole thing is about. This is th- the only reason he's able to say any of this, have any legacy whatsoever, is because of the hard work of Republicans cool. holding the line and standing up for taxpayers. And by the way, a balanced budget is constitutionally required. And he still didn't balance the budget because every year he would have cost overruns and we'd have to come back and pay for them. Yeah. I mean, in the 600 million, I think, billion dollars last year. For someone who's new to politics, uh, the governor sure does speak like a politician. Um, and that, this was actually the lead in to John Baer's column this morning. It's up on Penn Live if anybody wants to read it. But, you know, John Baer, uh, you know, longtime capital curmudgeon, I mean, correspondent, um, and it r- writes these. <laughs> columns. Uh, But he says, you know, he says, but come on, a little context is needed here. Wolf had help. He sought big tax hikes and new big spending throughout his tenure, including at least twice, 2015 and 2021, the largest tax increases in state history. The GOP legislature just didn't let it happen. That's right. So he wanted to double the the personal income tax, not double, increase by 50 percent, go from three to four and a half percent. Yeah. I mean, the well, he's a politician. If, if he wasn't one when he started, he has uh, earned that, uh, that monitor, moniker. All right. Well, we're up against a hard break here. Yeah, that's, that's all. Guys, it's, been so, it's been great being here. Yeah, and well, um, I think you've earned yourself a, a, a repeat guest appearance. Yeah, well, later. It's only if, if, only if Jesse Topper's not available. Well, or his mom. Where's mom? <laughs> Hi, Ruth. We need to get Ruth to call in sometime. Yeah, that, you know, that yeah. would be great. All right. Well, that's uh, generally assembled for uh, for this week. Again, you can find this podcast where all your favorite Pennsylvania House Republican podcasts are found at www.pahousegop.com slash mypodcasts, as well as uh, on your favorite podcasting platform. For everybody here, I'm Jason. I'm Neil. And I'm Representative Greg Rothman. All right. This has been Generally Assembled. Thanks, guys. Beep, boop, beep.